Anyway, let's do it. Let's get back to the scriptures now. What I'm doing, folks, is really... I was trying to encourage folks to read, read their Bible. And we had looked the last time at some verses in, in, in Psalm 119. Because Psalm 119 being the biggest chapter in the Bible, almost every verse of that chapter has got something to say about the Word of God. And it really highlights the importance of the need for us to take in the Word of God. I was never good at school in any subject. It was hard to find a subject I was good at, but uh, easy to find ones that I was bad at. But I was particularly bad at history. History just didn't interest me. It interests me a lot more now than it did then. But I do remember being taught about the Dark Ages. You remember that, the Dark Ages, when the whole world was enveloped in this kind of religious paralysis and there was a, it was a very religious era when people lived in darkness. And in the mid-17th century, around the 1600s, there was what they call the Reformation. And the Reformation brought the Word of God eventually in the language of the people for people to read for themselves. And people were... It was called the Dark Ages before because people were kept in darkness to the truth of the Word of God, really. And during that time when the Word of God became available to all or was, or the truths of the Word of God became available to all, there were five sort of main points that were made during those times and they were called the five solas. The five solas. The five kind of fundamentals of basic New Testament teaching for Christians. And they were done in Latin. The first one was sola, which means alone, right? Solo, alone. Solo, the first one, anybody know what the first one was? Sola, sola scriptura. And so instead of it being the traditions and the teachings of the church, it was the word of God alone. First and final authority, sola scriptura. Second one, anybody know what the second one was? Sola Christos. Sola Christos which means, have a guess, Christ alone. So that salvation was based on the Bible alone, but salvation was only found in Christ alone, not Christ plus tradition, not Christ plus a church, not Christ plus penance, not Christ plus, but Christ alone. So sola Christos, sola, sola um, Scriptura, sola Christos, sola Fide, any, any guesses? Faith alone. Faith alone. So instead of it being faith plus doing, faith plus keeping doing, it was faith in Christ alone. Sola Scriptura, sola fide, sola, um, sola Christos, sola fide, sola gratia. You, you catching on? Grace alone. Grace alone. In other words, salvation wasn't given to Noah because he was a good boy and he got a lot of brownie points. Salvation was by grace alone through faith. Faith in Christ, undeserved grace by God's grace was given in Christ. Salvation alone. So sola scriptura, sola Christos, sola fide, sola gratia. What was the last one? Soli Dio Gloria. Anybody got that one? For the glory of God alone. So those five sayings became the foundation for what they call the Reformation and changed 
certainly European history dramatically, matter of fact, world history as well. But my point is this. The foundation of those five is what? Sola Scriptura. Sola Scriptura. All the teaching has to come from the word of God alone. So we're going to read in Psalm 119 and verse number 9. And we're just going to try and not not, um, recap too much to what we said before. Listen to this. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereunto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Blessed are thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes and not forget thy word. And even in that one section, you can see the different ways the psalmist understands the the teaching of the scripture. He calls it thy word. He calls it thy commandments, thy statutes, thy judgments, thy testimonies, thy precepts. And there's so many different aspects of the word of God. You remember what the Lord Jesus said? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord. And for our spiritual life, the, 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 the bread, the food, everything we need is found in Christ alone, but it's based on the scriptures. So a little more in Psalm 119, Psalm 119, 105. It would do you no harm at all to go and uh, read the whole of this um, at some point. Verse 105 says this. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. What does a lamp do? A lamp shows you where you are, right? You hold up a lamp. And it shows you where you are. What does a light do? It shows you where you're going. And so the word of God shows us where we are. And it shows us where we should be going. Like a, like a headlight in the front of the, the car. Like a, a landing light in the front of the aircraft. You know, you know, the word is a lamp unto my feet to show me where I am. And a light unto my path to show me where I should be going. I have sworn and I will perform it that I will keep thy righteous judgments. I am afflicted very much. Quicken me or or make me alive, O Lord, according to thy word. Accept, I beseech thee, the freewill offerings of my mouth, O Lord, and teach me thy judgments. My soul is continually in my hand, yet do I not forget thy law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, yet I erred not from thy precepts. Thy testimonies have I taken as a heritage forever, for they are the rejoicing of my heart. I have inclined my heart to perform thy statutes, even unto the end. And only just, we'll just have one, um, we'll have one scripture, I think, from um, 2 Timothy chapter number 3, just to take a New Testament uh, verse, just to make our points for the next 15 minutes. 2 Timothy chapter number 3. The last verse, Paul's got a lot to say to Timothy about the word of God, particularly in the second one. Sorry. Siri's listening anyway, if nobody else is. (laughs) Here's what it says. Verse 16. 
all scripture is given by inspiration of God. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. So which scriptures are more important than others? None. They're all important, aren't they? All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And is profitable. So when you read your Bible and don't think you're getting out of it, don't worry. God has promised that it's profitable, even if you don't feel it is. That's what helps you keep going when you're struggling to do your Bible reading. The promise of God is not that you'll understand it. The promise of God is that the scripture is profitable. And if you read it, it's going to be profitable. Even though you don't feel it is. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Won't take time to go through them all. Verse 17. That the man of God... Now, in this day of political correctness, we need to be clear. The, the word for man is the Greek word anthropos, which just means anybody, man or woman, mankind, human being. That, that's what it means. That the man of God, the person of God, whether you're a brother or a sister, a man or a woman, the scripture's equally important to you. Some people think that it's only preachers that need to study the Bible so as they can preach. Nothing could be further from the truth. God wants us all to be men and women of God. And the food for our... Well, look what it says. That the man of God may be perfect. What does that mean? Who's ever going to be perfect? Eh? <laughs> You know what the Lord said, and he's, it always frightens me, this verse, in the, in, the, in the Sermon on the Mount. The Lord, getting towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount, says, Be ye perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. That frightens the life out of me. How can I ever be perfect like my Father in heaven is perfect? But perfect doesn't mean without flaw. Our Father in heaven is. The word perfect means that you might be brought to completion or brought to maturity. So, so the idea is this, the word of God is so that you might mature, that you might progress, that you might be going in the right direction towards perfection. It's not about achievement, it's about direction. It's the word of God working in our life daily, weekly, monthly, annually to move us in the right direction, to move us in the direction of maturity. Christian maturity. I heard a man a wee while ago and he was talking about the condition of Christianity in the UK and there was a lot of different opinions. But do you know what he said? He said he felt one of the major problems about Western Christianity was the infantization of Christianity, right? And what he meant was that you know, we've got to become like little, come to God like little children. Haven't we? The Lord said, you know, except you have the faith as a little child, and that's right. But childlikeness is not childishness, is it? You know, if, if you were still behaving at 18 the way you were behaving at 8, people would start to really worry about you, wouldn't they? And if you were, start, if you were 28 and still behaving like you were 8, 
people you would think there's something wrong, come to Durham Jail with me tomorrow and you'll find people a lot older than 28 behaving like eight-year-olds. I can tell you that for nothing. But the problem is our society doesn't encourage people to mature. And in Christian things, we've got to be maturing. We've got to be going on. We've got to be progressing. And as you get towards the end of a year, it's always a good time to do a kind of health check, isn't it? And just think, you know, have I, have I matured this week, this year? Have I been moving in the right direction this week? And maturity, there's lots of different characteristics of... I had a man a couple of weeks ago give a, an excellent talk on Christian maturity. Not being rash, not speaking out. It was really, really good. So that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. In other words, equipped. What are good works? That men may see your good works and what? Glorify your Father in heaven. The Christians created for good works that not just do people good, but good works that glorify your Father in heaven. So, very quickly. Last time we were together, we thought about some of the reasons why we were reading the Word of God. One of the first things was for information. How do we know anything about God, salvation, heaven, how to live a Christian life? How do we know? Where do we get our information about that? Do we make it up as we go along? Does it fall from the sky? Does it ooze into us? Remember what the Bible says? The sacred writings, this is the ESV, which are able to make you wise for salvation. Our Christian information comes from the, the Bible. We go there first and finally to the word of God. We take it as, as we were saying on Sunday, the authoritative, authentic revelation of God's mind for us. And if we want information, we don't go and preach, ask preachers, we go to the Bible. But we, if you can ask a preacher, if he takes you to the Bible, he's going in the right direction. But do you know what I mean? So that, why did I talk about five solas? Well, I hope you understand that that was the foundation. The foundation was when people thought, no, 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 we won't go to men, we won't go to tradition, we won't go to church, even if there's something good in it. Where we'll go is, we'll go to the Bible. We'll go to the Bible. And there we'll find faith, and there we'll find grace, and there we'll find Christ, and there we'll find a reason for living. That was one of the first things we said. Second thing we said was this, for substantiation, in other words, for verification. It's an interesting thing, if you're some of you probably, like me, are not watching as much news as you used to do because sometimes the news just makes you, you know, just wish you, you, know, you were in heaven, doesn't it, really? But the BBC now have got a, a whole programme and have actually got a whole bit on their BBC news website that's called BBC Verify, right? And they won't report something unless it has been substantiated, confirmed, verified. And I'll only say this has happened. You remember the whole controversy about the, the missile that fell in the hospital? And everybody reported at first it was an Israeli thing, and it turned out it wasn't that. So they've learned a lesson now that they have to substantiate and verify things before they report them as true. So when you're hearing something taught, or you're reading something in a book, or you're watching a YouTube video on the, uh, the internet, a Christ, Christian one... How do you know it's true? 
How do you verify that what's been taught is what God wants you to know? How do you substantiate this? And we learned from the Bereans, wasn't it? That it says this. They examined the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. So here's a man called Saul of Tarsus who's now an apostle Paul and Paul comes to Berea and he teaches them. And instead of people just saying, if Paul says it, it must be true, right? However good Paul is and however well taught is, Paul, whatever you say, you won't mind, will you, if we get our Bible out and check that you're telling us the truth. Folks, things haven't changed. You don't just accept things for who says them. Whatever somebody says to you has to be absolutely, completely in keeping with the word of God. And if you hear something that you think might not be in keeping with the word of God, what do you do? First thing you do is you go and say to the brother that's preaching, excuse me, brother, could you show me from the Bible what you said? Show me me from here what you said to be true. And if he fobs you off, or you don't have opportunity, you go home and you get your Bible out and see if it is in the Bible what he says. Folks, don't just take what people say at face value. Not because people will teach you deliberately falsehood, I hope we won't, but you need to be sure that what you're being taught is of the word of God. So that was where we kind of finished. Here's another, another word that I want. Sanctification. Here's the, the verse I've got. The Lord Jesus, John 17, it's what they call the Lord's Prayer. And you think the Lord's Prayer is our Father, which are in heaven. And I understand that, folks. That's a lovely prayer. A prayer that Andrew went through, remember, a few, a few last year or the year before. It was so helpful and valuable. And that's the prayer that the Lord taught the disciples to pray, the Lord's Prayer. But the Lord's Prayer is the prayer that the Lord prayed just after the upper room ministry in John 17. And if you go through it, you'll see he prays for the disciples that were present at the time for a particular need. And then he prays for all those that will believe afterwards. So he includes you and me in his prayer in John 17. And one of the things he prays for, for you and me, is this. Sanctify them in the truth. Thy word is truth. So if you go to 1 Thessalonians 4... Everybody's immediately thinking, 1 Thessalonians 4, the coming of the Lord, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven. Yep. But the last half of that chapter is preceded by a first half of that chapter. And the first half of the chapter has got the will of God in it. It says, this is the will of God. And if you're a Christian, at least you have a basic premise that you want to do the will of God. Isn't that right? That's, That's like a a vital sign of a Christian life that you want to please the Lord, you want to do with the will of God. So when you get to 1 Thessalonians 4, it says, this is the will of God, even your sanctification. In other words, that God's going to set you apart for himself, keep you in a condition that he can use, and that God's going to make you a special vessel for his glory. Solo Dio Gloria, right? The, the end of the, the end of the, the five solas. That God's going to say, you know what? I'm going to take you out of that world that you are in, and I'm going to make you minds, and I'm going to give you a purpose, and I'm going to make you able to glorify me in a way that you could never have done before. That's basically sanctification. It's an ongoing work through your whole life. What point is this? How does that work? How does that work? 
Do you just wake up in the morning and something happens to you? Does something just ooze into you from the sky? Does it just rub off on you? If you here's, here's what the Lord says. He says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So, if we really want to please the Lord, and if we want to live a life that's set apart for him, the material, the fuel for that is what? Bible reading. Bible reading. The will of God. It's a, it's a, it's a great subject, but you know, most times, 99 times out of 100, knowing what the will of God is, is actually just knowing what the Bible says and being obedient to it. That, that's basically what the will of God is. Read your Bible, find out what God wants, what God teaches, and just be obedient to it. And if you do that, you can be sure you're doing the will of God. And you can be sure you're living a sanctified life. And so, if you have a desire for holiness, a desire to live a sanctified life, you're not looking for an experience, you're not looking for a graduation, you're not looking for somebody to make you fall down in a meeting, you're not looking for any of that kind of stuff. The Lord says, just take my word, read my word, and obey my word. That's the material for living a sanctified life. I must be quick. Preservation, that's another reason for reading your Bible. To keep you safe. To keep you safe. To preserve you from the ungodly influences of the world. Because the minute you set yourself with a purpose to live for the glory of God and get saved, immediately you provoke at least three enemies to work against you. Because there's at least three enemies that don't want you to live a life to glorify God. Right? One is the sin that's still in you. Isn't that right? The good that you would... You do not. And the things that you would not, you do because the sin dwells in you. It's called the flesh. And the Lord will deliver us when we get to heaven. But we've got something inside working against us, haven't we? Natural inclinations that, that, that just, just repel us from the word of God. And, and that's provoked when you become a Christian. The world. The world loves Christians that are feeding poor people. Right? And housing people. And Christians should do that, right? And But as soon as a Christian starts to talk about heaven and hell and eternity and, and the word of God and holiness, they, they don't want them. And so when you live a Christian life, you can be sure that in the main, the world's going to set itself against you. And the devil's going to set itself against you. And they all want you to sin because the Lord, the Lord has saved you from sin. These enemies want you. How are you preserved from that? How are you preserved from sinning? How can you keep walking in the right path? Well, that's what we read tonight. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. What's your guard? What's your preserving influence? What's your, what's your bodyguard from wandering into the path of sin? It's knowing the Bible. It's knowing the word of God. And I would encourage you, not even just to read the word of God. But I would encourage you if you take some time to memorize the word of God. Bible memorization. Now one of the things, the great things is that when you read the Bible regularly, by God's grace he helps you to take it in and you remember verses. But there are. Janet will tell you if you like afterwards. Janet's part of a, a website called Learn Scripture. 
www.bibleschoolcc.com that helps people just learn, memorise scripture. And there's a, a lady on Zoom right now called Lily Vogley, and she is right at the top of the tree when it comes to Bible memorisation. And I think if Lily was here tonight, she would tell you how much it's helped preserve her in her Christian life. Just putting the word of God in. Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Getting the word of God in. Must be quick, folks. Purification. Purification. What do I mean by that? Just living in the world, you get defiled, don't you? Don't you? We live in a world that's polluted. And just by being here, we get polluted, don't we? Your mind, your eyes see things you would rather not see. And once you see them, you can't unsee them. Isn't that right? Your ears hear things that you would rather not hear, but once you've heard them, you can't unhear them. You go to places where things happen that you would rather didn't happen, but they do happen. Here's what the Bible says. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to his word. You know, in the book of Ephesians, it talks about the washing of the water of the word. You know, in John 13, when the Lord washes the disciples' feet, remember? What he's doing is he's taking off the, 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 the stuff that they've picked up during the day. You don't deliberately go as an adult and plodge about in the mud, do you? But sometimes you do. I was at a funeral today and... Um, it was up in Saltwell Cemetery, and it's very wet up there. And as we walked towards the graveside, it was very boggy and very mucky. And so my nice, clean shoes are now not nice, clean shoes tonight because I just was in the cemetery. And I picked up the mud in the cemetery. So what's going to happen? I'm going to have to cleanse my shoes when I get back. So how do we cleanse ourselves from what we've picked up today in the world? How do we get our mind purified? How do we get our mind guarded? By taking heed to the word of God. The word of God keeps us pure. It washes us as we read it. Revelation and adoration. What do I mean by that? Again, the upper room ministry. When the help of the Holy Spirit comes, whom I will send from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father... He will bear witness about me. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. And here's what the Lord said. Search the scriptures, for these are they that testify of me. The pinnacle of Bible reading is knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christianity, first and foremost, is a personal thing. We don't always meet together. We meet on the Lord's Day and a Thursday. And if that's all your Christian life is, it's a pretty poor Christian life. Christian life is about a living, daily, personal walk with the Lord. Our knowledge of the Lord, our enjoyment of the Lord, as we read the word of God, God reveals things about the Lord Jesus Christ to us, and the purpose of revealing things to us is that we might appreciate him and adore him more. That's the highest purpose of the Bible, to find Christ and to use it to worship Christ. Christians are not just people that believe in God. We know and love the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what? 
You can know your Bible without knowing Christ. Do you know that? There are whole university departments filled with people that know their Bible. And they even know their Bible in the original languages, but they don't know that first iota about a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and salvation. So you can know your Bible without knowing Christ. But you know what? You can't know Christ without knowing your Bible. You can't. Because the scriptures are the places where we find and we learn and we grow and we love the Lord Jesus Christ. I must be quick. Here's another one. Transformation. I'll finish with this one. Transformation. Here's a verse from the And we with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. That word transformed. Do you know what the Greek word is? Metamorphosis. What What do you think about when you think about metamorphosis? You're thinking about that, aren't you? You're thinking about the the life cycle of the butterfly that goes from a, a crawling worm on the earth to a beautiful insect that flies in the sky. That's metamorphosis. That's transformation. And that's what the Lord does with his word. He changes us. He takes us from low-living, earth-bound creatures and transforms us into the image of Christ, the image of the Heavenly One. And day by day, it's a process of transformation. Being more conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus, becoming more beautiful, more like Christ. Our character's more like His. Our speech is more like His. Our behavior's more like His. We're being transformed by the Spirit of God. And so... Bible reading should make a difference. We should be different. We should be further on in our metamorphosis now than we were this time last year. We should be more like the Lord Jesus today than we were last week. We should be more appreciative of him than we were. We should be more adoration of him. We should be more worshipful than we are. We should be daily, you know, way back to this, that the man of God might be mature. So mature in metamorphosis, you see the you see the parallel. You see the pictures of our daily need to progress and it doesn't happen automatically. You don't just become a Christian and then hope that somewhere along the line, mystically, things are gonna change. You need to feed on the word of God. And through the word of God you don't just feed on words, you feed on him, the Lord Jesus Christ. He said he was the bread of heaven that came down from heaven. If a man eats of me, he shall never die. And if we read the word of God, that's where we'll get our food to be grown and transformed and mature and living for the glory of God. So, the summary. Sola Scriptura. Sola Christos. Sola Fide. Sola gratia, soli dia gloria. May God help us to live for his glory and learn to read his word, maybe a bit better than we've ever done before. Let's pray. Lord, we're so thankful for time we get together, so thankful that the Bible is preserved for us in our language, given to us in a way that we can read. Think about many people over the world that would just love to have a Bible. 
but are not allowed that and we just live in such comfortable easy privileged circumstances help us to value that lord and give you the glory for that pray for those that spend their life trying to take the bible the word of god to people whose lives are in darkness and we just pray for those that do that we're thankful to be together thankful for a little refreshment and we give thanks in the lord's name amen again spending too much time with the doozy tumor sorry about that <laughs> <laughs>